Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to the Lord's Podcast with Will Rowe. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Lord's Podcast. We talk to Australian legend Shane Warne about playing with Adam Gilchrist ahead of the rest of the world bicentenary match this July. He also tells us why Mitchell Johnson is as good as any bowler of the last 20 years. Michael Vaughan looks at England ahead of the summer of cricket. In the history section, Graham Fowler colourfully recalls his test century against the West Indies at Lords in the 1980s. I'll also test out my co-host's cricketing knowledge with our bicentenary quiz and we'll select the England side for the start of the test summer here at Lords. Well, we're perched up in the JP Morgan Media Centre and it's my great pleasure on this lovely sunny day here at Lords to welcome my co-hosts for this month's podcast. I'm joined by the editor of alloutcricket.com and the deputy editor of the hard copy version of that magazine. Yes, it's the same person. It's cricket journalist Joe Harmon. Joe, welcome. Cheers, Bill. How's it going? Very well, thanks. How are you? I'm not too bad, thank you. And I'll uh, introduce our second co-host. Also joining me on the podcast is a Middlesex all-rounder who's just returned from Sri Lanka after touring with the England Lions before he's due to jet off to Abu Dhabi next week on Tuesday, I believe, to play in the Champion County fixture for the MCC. It's Ollie Rayner. Ollie, welcome. Hi, how are you doing? You all right? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Not too bad at all. Um, been a pretty non-stop winter for you. How's it, how, how was it out there with the, with the Lions? Yeah, it was an amazing experience. Um, I was just saying to you earlier, uh, I didn't have much on my radar initially for the winter and suddenly I've, I've managed to bag myself a couple of months away. Uh, but yeah, no, it's a great experience, um, uh, and from what I hear, uh, a lot, a lot better than being in Finchley in the rain and cold. So, yeah, all good from my end. Fantastic. And uh, how's the pre-season training been going for you? Yeah, well, it's been going, uh, it's been going well, and uh, I'm sure Joe will testify and uh, talk to him about our pre-season training. Um, up till Christmas, pretty, pretty full on in the strength and conditioning uh, sort of quarter, and now uh, a little bit more focused on on match preparation. Uh, so, yeah. Absolutely. Joe, would you like to come in there and uh, elaborate a little bit on that, on the, the latest edition of All Out Cricket? Yeah, I had the pleasure, if, if that's the word, of uh, joining Middlesex for a day of their pre-season training uh, up in Finchley, uh, which was a real eye-opener, I have to say. I, anyone who thinks county cricketers have it easy, uh, I can assure you that's very much not the case. Uh, I was put through my paces, lifting weights, doing core strength work, uh, and thanks to Fletch, who's the Middlesex uh, comms man, he... Uh, got me doing something called the Prowler, which was uh, the most painful thing I think I've ever done in my life. Uh, and if you want to see my humiliation, you can you can check it out on the All Out Cricket website. There's a video up there. Absolutely, I watched it. It looked pretty tough. Ollie, what's it like pushing that Prowler thing about? Well, yeah. What's I the mean, point of it? Well, explain, yeah. explain what the Prowler is. We've been asking that yeah. for a while. Well, I suppose if you could imagine sort of um, a cross between pushing a sledge and, and one of those rugby scrum machines, uh, uh, it's a single man unit. Um, and you can load it up with weights and, and it can become quite tough, as, as Joe has said. Um, as to the point of it, uh, uh, apparently you're not doing the job unless you're hating it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just basically to help power in the legs um, and core and things like that. So it's, it's essentially just a scrum machine for one person. 
builds up your core strength. Well, yeah, apparently. I'm not, it turns out I didn't have any, uh, so there was nothing to build up from. It's just, just very painful. Also, on the day, none of the Middlesex players were actually doing it. Fletch just set it up just so I could have a go. So I had a, an audience watching on. He put the um, Mitch, the strength and conditioning coach, put on Rocky theme music as I was doing it. How many uh, lengths did you do? I managed to do six, and I think you meant to do 12. I think you? we only got a couple out of Fletch, so you can feel better about that. Apparently, that. he did it in his suit, though. Yeah, he yes. <laughs> was skidding everywhere, as you said, in his brogues, but yeah. Good on yeah, him. Tough job. And as going back to a lot of the strength and conditioning, and it's part and parcel of all counties now. I mean, how 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 fit are the Middlesex team? Yeah, I mean, well, it's we're doing really well. I, I I'd say um, a lot of the guidelines that are set are from from the top anyway. The ECB guidelines that they set for the England guys. So generally, our tests have are sort of formulated around that. So we're there or thereabouts with with what they expect their players to do. Um, but yeah, I mean the guys have been, just been working really hard, and Mitch has certainly put us through our paces uh, this winter. And, you know, at times it's been hard, but hopefully we'll reap the rewards from it um, in in some silverware this year. Hopefully, who knows? Absolutely. Well, we'll come on to that silverware in just a moment. But first, um, we got a few questions from our Twitter followers. Um, hashtag Ask Ollie. It's a little thing we do on the podcast each month. So, um, first question, Ollie. Who is the funniest character in the Middlesex squad? That's from Everything Spurs. I'm guessing it's a Tottenham Hotspur supporter. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I actually I tweeted a couple of these back, but um, you know, apart from myself, obviously, um, yeah, Tim Murtagh and Sam Robson, and uh, individually great, but as a pair, also <laughs> hilarious. So, uh, yeah, I'd have to go for those two. Lovely. Who is your favourite bowler? That's from Naga Lakshmi. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Right. Well, yeah, I, I, I would have said, uh, you know, without trying to be too sort of cliche, Graham Swan, uh, purely for the fact that there was a stage where I thought Ospin didn't really have a future. Uh, I was getting whacked, as I often do, and, and uh, Swanee broke onto the scene and, and seemed to dominate as a bowler who didn't do anything out of the ordinary, as it were, no doozers and things like that. So I would have I would have said um, uh, Graham. Uh, I'd I'd probably have to say Ramesh Power. Just uh, purely, he's a, a similar body build to me, and uh, yeah, so he's doing it for the bigger guys out in India. So yeah, I like him. Joe, what was who's your top bowler of all time? Um, in terms of someone I've grown up watching, uh, probably Dean Headley. Really? I, yeah, I had a I had a season ticket uh, since I was a kid at St Lawrence. Uh, Saw him take a cup. I think he took three championship hat tricks in one season, or certainly three hat tricks. You know, they were on the championship. Uh, and yeah, on the, on the Sunday league games with a kind of strong Kent crowd behind him, it's uh, some pretty exciting times. Oh dear, good, good, good call there. Um, moving on, two more questions to get through. Ollie, if England don't take you, uh, will you play for Germany? Hashtag born in Germany. It comes from an account called Cricket Germany. I'm not 100% sure if they're bona fide. That sounds like a call-up. They uh, well, yeah. is an ICC associate member nation, so there you go. Yeah, I, I don't... I Again, I have, I've had a brief look at some of these. Um, I don't know exactly what the regs are, um, but certainly if they've got some spinning pitches over there. Uh, so <laughs> someone, Someone's referred to me as the Kaiser of cricket. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, like I say, I don't really know where I would stand in there. And uh, I hope, hopefully... All chances of going uh, for England aren't out the window quite yet, but if they are, who knows? A couple of Steins and the contract over Toberfest, that would be great, yeah. Yeah, not, 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 not a bad place to be playing <laughs> cricket. Um, and finally, from Reggie Perrin, have you stopped growing yet? 
Well, I've stopped growing up and I'm now growing out. So, uh, yeah, I think so. How tall are you, actually, just a matter of interest? Because you always read stuff on various websites, but what's... I'm, I'm, I'm basically, I'm a, a smidge under 6'6". Six, 6'6". Six. Six, so, six. Uh, yeah, so I suppose I'd have to say 6'5", but I don't. I'd say I'm 6'6", <laughs> six, six, just under. <laughs> Lovely. Thanks, Ollie. Um, right, it's been a tough winter for England. Former captain Michael Vaughan was at Lords this month. Uh, my colleague Will Atkins caught up with him and asked if the current ODI and T20 games could help players get into the test side this summer. Yeah, I mean, any time you, you, you stick on an England shirt, no matter what the format, if you're coming in it for the first time, you know, if you do well, and particularly someone like Murray and Ali, if he looks like he's got the temperament and character and the game to play at the highest level, it'll certainly do his chances of getting a test position later on in the year. No doubt at all. And, you know, the fact that he bowls off spin, I think the likes of Joe Root, him, Borthwick, you know, those kind of cricketers, the ones that England will have to look for now they've not got the expertise of Graham Swan. Michael Vaughan there, finishing on the point about Graham Swan. Um, I've got to throw it open to you, Ollie. You must have thought a little bit about it since the retirement of the off-spinner. Um, I think friends and family have probably done more of that for me. Um, you know, I, I'm just trying to do my best for Middlesex. Obviously, I moved up from Sussex to get some cricket. They've given me that. Uh, had a good year last year. I just want to really car carry on that form, and then if that takes me any, any further, then so be it. And I'd, I'd obviously be delighted if England called upon me. Absolutely. And you had a fantastic season, as you just touched on last year. That 15 wickets at the Oval against Surrey in one match. That is that's got to be the pinnacle, surely. Yeah. Thus far. Well, it's, it's it's been amazing. Yeah. I mean, I've had a couple of years where I've done a few things that have sort of shone light on, on myself and my performances. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that was absolutely mental. I, I, Going into the second innings, people are saying, oh, well, how many do you want? And another five. I said, well, I'll just take two and get a 10 in the game. It'd be my first ever. Um, so to then go on and make that 15 was just unbelievable, yeah. And Joe, I mean, that England side, as Vaughan touched on there, there's there's a lot up for grabs, isn't there, at the moment? There is. After a, a winter to forget, we've got a season to really look forward to, I think. It's a kind of quite an unstable time for the English cricket team, but in some ways that's very exciting as well. You'd, in the last few years we started the season with perhaps maybe the third seamer spot and maybe a batting spot up for grabs now we've got as many as five or six spots that people are competing for I think it's a really good thing for the start of county cricket I think there'll be more interest in county cricket than for a very long time because England haven't been in this situation for a long time and you mentioned the spinners someone like Ollie will have started the last few seasons thinking barring an injury to Swan the best you can do really is get into that Lions side. Now, Ollie's one of five or six spinners thinking I could be playing Test Match Cricket in the next couple of months. Absolutely. And I'd like to now, as I said at the top of the podcast, can we pick our, our England 11 for the first Test, which is here at Lords against Sri Lanka um, in May, I think. Yeah, uh, Thursday the 12th. Oh no, Thursday the 12th of June, apologies. Um, there's still tickets available for that, days one and four. So, um, right, we'll, we'll go from the top, I'll take it. Alistair Cook, number one. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and he's he's my captain as well. Yeah, well done. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's an interesting one. We've actually been doing this for the magazine. We've got twelve people to do their own their own England sides, and it's telling that no one has come up with the same eleven. That's how open this side is now. Um, but yeah, anyway, I did put together my team. Um, yeah. I'm going with Root up top with Cook. Root back at two. Yeah, I think he needs a proper run as an opener. Um, he's, I think he's been messed around a bit in the order too much. I think give him a proper run uh, against Sri Lanka and India, he'll have a bit of time to bed himself in. They haven't got the greatest new ball attacks in the world and I think it's a good time for him to really establish himself as a test opener. Uh, three, I'm going Compton. 
Really? Uh, okay. Who is where he bats for Somerset. Yeah. Uh, I think he was unfairly treated in the first place. Yeah. Uh, and he's the closest we've got as a light-to-light for replacement for Trot, who I don't think is done for England, but I think he needs a bit of time in county cricket before yeah. we bring him back. But he's a guy who'll bat time. He's got a solid technique. He's got a great defensive technique, which is what you need from your number three. So, Compton at three. Uh, at four, I'm going Bell. Yeah. Uh, at five... So this is, this is because they're playing at Lords first up, right? Yeah, I'm not having a spinner. Sorry, Ollie. No, that's right. <laughs> you wouldn't be looking at me anyway. <laughs> well, you know, my, my, the thing is, also, I don't know who well, my first You do play here, so... <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. But, so, with that, with that in mind, I'm having Mo and Ali at five. So I've, I've, got, I've got Ali and Root as two very decent part-time yeah. spin options. Mo and Ali is a bit more than a part-time spinner, really. Uh, six, Stokes. Yeah. Seven, your keeper, this is a tricky one. I'm, I, I want Pryor to get another proper run. I think we'd be very hasty to get rid of him, particularly given the other players that have made way. So Pryor starts the summer for me, but with Butler pushing hard behind him. Yeah. Uh, then what have we got? So then I've got my... Hang on. Broad, Anderson. Yeah. So you want Broad at eight? Yeah, Broad yeah. at eight. Nine, ten, eleven, whatever the order. Anderson, it'll do. Number nine. What? Anderson at nine, okay. Uh, Onions, it's about time he got some test cricket. Yeah. Uh, another one who was, I think, treated very harshly by not getting an Ashes tour party. Not that he'd, I'm not saying he would have made that much difference, but I think he should have been part of that tour party. And the fact that he didn't make that squad sent out a, a bad message uh, about county cricket, I think, when someone performs as strongly as he has for so long, I think uh, England selectors need to recognise that. I'm um, number 11. I'm packing out the paces. I'm going with Stephen Finn. Uh, He's obviously had a terrible winter uh, yeah. and a demoralising winter. But the thing is, with the ODI series coming first, the tests are later, he's got two full months of county cricket to get back into the swing of things. And when Finn's at his best, he walks into that England side. So uh, Finn, if things don't quite click, then I've got Chris Jordan um, coming in for, for Finn. But I'd really like to see Finn back and firing because England are a far better side when he's in it. OK, so Joe Harmon's um, England test side for the first test here at Lord's is... Cook and Root opening, Compton 3, Bell 4, Moen Alley at 5, Stokes then Pryor in at 7, Stuart Broad at 8, Anderson, Onions and Finn. Loads of bowling. Lots of bowling. Loads You've of gone bowling. for a serious seam attack there. Um, this year, I think the county championship is going to come into the selector's mind much more than normal. Uh, I'd like to talk about it now. Ollie, we'll bring you back in now. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's right. I, I think, uh, well, firstly, I think that's... Um, that's that's more or less what I would have as well. I would be biased and say that I think Sam Robson should get a go, although we'd we'd hate to lose him yeah. or and Finn. Um, I think Morgan may be there or thereabouts as well potentially. Um, they obviously want to get him in there. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. fact that he hasn't gone he's and played in the IPL, he's, he's, yeah, he's yeah. obviously been told you can get some first class runs, and yeah, he'd be he'd be very close. And Robson actually would be my my backup for the top three. Yeah, I and I would like to. I really like uh, the fact that you've got Mo in in there as well. Yeah. Um, I spent a bit of time with him this winter and, and I, I rate him very highly. Really? Um, you know, apart from myself, obviously, in that middle order. Um, <laughs> but um, no, I think he's. I think he's. he could be a great addition, bit of, uh, bring a bit of fresh air into the team as well. He's, he's a little bit different, yeah. um, but he's a very talented player. Of those top six batsmen that Joe's picked, who's hardest for you to bowl at? Um, well, I haven't bowled at a few of them for a while. Um, yeah. You know... Someone like Stokes can really take a game away from you, um, you know, if you don't get him early. Uh, compo can be hard work, but 
as from a spin point of view, uh, he can he can rotate the strike, but doesn't feel like he's going to hurt you. Yeah. Um, Moen again. I mean, he's a great player of spin. So I'm, I suppose I'm talking a little bit from a personal point of view. Of course. But um, yeah, I think that's a solid. And I'm I'm really glad that you've got onions in there. Um, again, I'm being a bit biased because I spent a bit of time with him this winter. But yeah, I think initially they said they didn't want to play onions because he's too much like Anderson. So you've got a guy that's taken 300 test wickets, why would you not want two of them, yeah, exactly. in my opinion? And especially in England. Yeah. So I think, you know, he, he does it year in, year out. And and like you said, I think you've been very good to Finney because we can't forget these guys. And Pryor, you know, he was, he was ICC uh, Player of the Year, I think, a couple of years ago. So he's no mug. Um, so yeah, I think I think you've pretty much got the, the gist of it there. I'm happy with that. Absolutely. And looking at Middlesex this season, the, the question keeps coming around every year. Can you win the title this time? Yeah, again, like we, we try and sit on the fence a little bit as a club. You know, we, we're, quite, we're relatively new to the first division. Uh, obviously, we went, we're out of it for a couple of years, we've got promotion. And we've, done, we've proved that we, we belong here and we, we can contend to the top. Um, and I heard um, a bit of the podcast from last week with uh, Lizzie saying that you know, we've tailed away a little bit at the end and I think she's she's absolutely bang on. Um, if we can just carry on our form, um, I it's hard because I don't want to put myself out and say, because yeah, yeah. we do tend to start quite nicely, um, which if we can do that again, then yeah, I think we're definitely contenders, but we're, we're just looking to improve year in, year out. Absolutely. And Joe, who do you, what, what teams are you looking out for in this? I was, I was going to not do predictions here. Last year I tipped Durham <laughs> for the drop uh, and they, they went on and won the thing. So it shows what I know. Um, Middlesex are definite contenders I think international call-ups will have a big say in how Middlesex do this year uh, if they lose Robson struggled for top order runs last year I think that's a massive hole to fill uh, in terms of bowling attack it's up there with the best in the country uh, so they're definitely there or thereabouts it's really it's such a close league it's really hard I mean I think any, any it's hard to pick teams to go, that might go down this year as well because I think it's a really really strong lineup. so Middlesex as good a shout as any uh, I'd struggle to see Durham defending their title because it was such a uh, kind of gigantic effort to do it based on the resources they had last year. Um, so who else do we can check? Uh, Yorkshire? Yeah, Yorkshire. Yeah, again, international call-ups will play a part there because actually we haven't mentioned balance, which is probably a bit unfair given that he was what, top of the averages yeah, last true, year. And, true. Uh, again, so if he's taken out of that Yorkshire middle order of England go for him, then that's the big gap there. So... It's it's really all up for grabs, perhaps more so than, than any season uh, in recent memory. Absolutely, and it, it gets underway soon. Where the, the Champion County fixture is the, the, the traditional curse and rage, and that's taking place in Abu Dhabi. That's MCC v Durham this year. Ollie, you're on the plane to play for MCC. Looking forward to it? Yeah, I definitely am. I, 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 um, it's a great honour for them to have selected me to go out. Um, and like I was saying to you earlier, I wasn't expecting to play an awful lot of cricket. Uh, away from home this this winter, and I I did put myself in the hat when um, Gus asked me uh, they'd approached would I be interested. I said yeah, get me out of here. Yeah, <laughs> it's either that or bowling a tent at Merchant Taylors. Um, so yeah, no, I'm I'm massively looking forward to that. I think it'd be interesting playing under lights with a pink ball. Have you done that before? I haven't. I, I played a bit with a pink ball in the in the second team when I was a, a bit younger. Um, I wasn't a massive fan, um, but. I suppose it's a lot easier than seeing a red ball in the dark. <laughs> so so we'll, we'll, only time will tell. Joe, I'd like to ask you, what are your thoughts on sort of pink ball, day-night, test cricket, which is for, for, for the MCC, that's the ultimate aim, is to get 
day night test cricket being played with the pink ball? Uh, the, the pink ball is a difficult one for me. I think it's up to the players to say. I, I, I wouldn't be able to judge on that one. But I think day night test cricket has to happen sooner rather than later. I don't necessarily think in England, I don't think it's worth it because we, we pack out test match crowds most of the time anyway. But I think it could real, be a real shot in the arm for places like the West Indies. You see like the Caribbean Premier League, how that kicked off. Yeah. If you could slightly adjust test matches and have that kind of party atmosphere going in the evening, I think it could be a really, really big thing. Uh, it could be a big one in New Zealand where there is that interest in cricket, but they don't get the crowds. I think that's anything you can do to bring crowds along, I think, is, is, is the way to go in test cricket. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it will happen sooner rather than later, uh, and I hope it happens in the next couple of years. Well, this summer, Lords plays host to an MCC Rest of the World game. Quite a unique fixture coming up. Uh, Aussie legend Shane Warne will captain the rest of the world side and will have his old teammate Adam Gilchrist behind the stumps for the game. I asked Warne how excited he was to pair up with Gilchrist. Yeah, Gilly was fantastic. You know, he sort of, it was Andy Flower sort of started that batsman keeper. You know, everyone says wicket keeper batsman, but it's sort of guys that can be so destructive with a bat and solid behind the stumps. So Andy Flower sort of started that. And then Gilly sort of set the benchmark and the blueprint. Everyone wants an Adam Gilchrist in their side, and why wouldn't you? It was absolute dynamite. So, you know, it'd be good to have him out there behind the stumps and hopefully he'll get let rip with a few bold chains rather than, uh, hey, that's pretty ordinary, Shane. Hopefully he gets a few bold chains in there. Shane Warne gearing up to bowl in the rest of the world game there. Since last summer, Warne will have been pleased to see Australia rejuvenated and playing an exciting brand of cricket. Test series victories over England and most recently away to South Africa I've seen one player in particular, Mitchell Johnson, hit the form of his life. I asked Warren just how good Johnson is at the moment. He's bowling as good as I've seen anyone bowl in the last 20 odd years that I've been around. He's uh, bowling super fast, he's left arm, he's swinging at reverse swing. He's bowling up around one, you know, 100 mile an hour, it's, uh, it's pretty tough. And you know, he's really sort of set the benchmark now. He's probably the number one bowler in the world. Stain has rightly been number one in the world, but I think Mitchell Johnson, the way he played in South Africa, I think he's probably just pipped him. Shane Warne there, speaking about the MCC rest of the world game and the current Aussie quick, Mitchell Johnson. Well, I'm going to open the question straight up, guys. Johnson, as good as any in the last 20 years? Oh, it's a big call. It, the thing is, we're talking about the at this exact moment, then Johnson has been absolutely sensational for eight test matches. But to compare him to Dale Stone, who's been basically at the top of his game for 10 years, uh, he's been world number one for four years straight, lost it to Phil Under and got it straight back. I mean, that's unprecedented. So I'm sure if you ask world batsmen at the moment who they'd least like to face at this precise time, it's Mitchell Johnson. But I don't think Mitchell Johnson will be remembered as an all-time great bowler. I think he'll be remembered as a bowler who was great in certain series. He's 32 now. He's, he's not going to play that many more test matches, I wouldn't have thought. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Uh, whereas Stain has got this, I think Stain, I was looking this up before today, Stain's got the f uh, fifth best strike rate, which is a good way to judge any fast bowler of any test match bowler to have ever have played the game. And that's in an era of pretty much batsman friendly wickets. So Stain's up there with the best ever. Mitchell Johnson is uh, on a hot streak, undoubtedly. But um, the thing with Johnson as well, you never know how long it's going to last. Yeah. So, so 
at this very moment number one, yeah. but next week perhaps not. But I think Warren's point there is his current form, as good as any, and we're talking about people like Alan Donald, Kirtley Ambrose, those guys. I mean, is he the way he's bowling right now? He is up there, isn't he? Actually, I'd, I'd have to agree with Joe. Um, I don't want to say too much. If he if he catches wind of it and he bowls at me, <laughs> don't don't get me wrong. I I wouldn't want to be facing him at the moment, as as Joe's alluded to, but. He can be hit and miss. He's on a purple purple patch at the moment and he is destructive. No one wants to face him in world cricket, I'm sure. Um, is that what's exciting about him, though? Yeah. You don't quite know what you're going to get. Well, it's it makes it very hard when you're a batter as well. Um, I would say up to the ashes, you know, I was sort of watching him take all these wickets. I was like, oh, God, you know, they've got fielders everywhere, sort of both sides of the wicket, because they just, they didn't know, and but he destroyed us. Um but you know you're happy with someone like that going at five six and over, terrorising everyone, taking fifers. Um, when you've got the likes of Harris Siddle, you know, going at two and over, very good bowlers in their own right. Um, but as it happens, he's been very economical as well, and he's yeah, I mean he's dominating, isn't he, at the moment? And he's bowling very quick. But you're right; it adds to the aura around him, this inconsistency. You're never quite sure what you're going to get from him. But then, oddly enough, the eight, last eight Test matches, he's been incredibly consistent uh, apart, from that, that, apart from that first yeah. spell at Brisbane where he started spraying it around and then he got that he got the slightly lucky break of that wicket of trot just before lunch and he's never really looked back since then uh, I'd have to agree that, that's, that's what I mean you know like at the moment it's all clicking for him brilliant um, it's those times over over a period of what Warney's talking about how consistency be yeah uh, well, when you were talking about Stane he's done it consistently 10 years is, um, is it exciting to see fast bowling getting the headlines again? Because in no, the recent all. years... <laughs> <laughs> um, you want the spinners back. <laughs> exactly. Bring yeah. back one. Yeah, yeah. No, but I think so, yeah. It's made, it's made it more exciting for, for people to watch. Yeah. You know, if you, I hate to say it, NASCAR, most boring sport in the world, but there are crashes. Do you know what I mean? So people are now seeing some guy that's bowling 95 miles an hour regularly and people aren't fancying it. Yeah. And the old bloke gets pinned. You know, people are enjoying it. And that game of one-upsmanship between Stane and Johnson in the South Africa Australia series was was incredible to watch. It was as good as any duel between a batsman and bowler, really, to see yeah. Johnson come out firing, then stay in the next innings, kind of respond. And it's great. I still, I, sorry, Ollie, but I think there's nothing more exciting than a no, 95 mile an hour quick steaming in and bowling at someone's head. That's that's what right. that's what gets the crowds going. Exactly. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I guess it's what what England are looking for at the moment. Someone to really crank it up and. Yeah. It says a lot that Tymon Mills, who's very exciting but yeah. hasn't got much of a first-class record yet, is already being talked about as a potential test player, uh, was being talked about over the winter, which shows just how desperate we are for a, for a genuine quick to, to come England through. Are England that sort of team? I, I, are they going to give someone who could leap like Johnson did, but he's reaping the, war, they're re- reaping the rewards now? Uh, I don't know. I, I, w- I would say that England... Uh, Maybe not now, they're trying to change things, mm. but certainly it'd be more of a consolidating team. Yeah. You know, a, a bit, not grey, but you know, they, they, they do things through, you know, war of attrition sort of thing, as opposed to blasting people out. Or Absolutely, and we saw that famously in the 2010-11 Ashes series when Finn was dropped, despite being the leading wicket-taker, because he was, he was leaking too many runs. But as you say, it's a new era, and who, who knows what this New England side's going to look like. Because I think it's exciting, like you alluded to earlier, because... Australia had gone through this, hadn't they? Yeah. Um, I was thinking about it, which is very rare for me to think about <laughs> cricket. But before I come on, you know that when when McGrath finished, uh, Gilchrist, 
Lehman, you know, they all went at a similar time, Warren and now Ponting, and they've rebuilt, and, and again, they, they've backed these guys. You, you, look, you look at Steve Smith, you'd think, oh, he's a bit yeah. of a fancy here. But he's come out and he's on top now, and, and he's playing really well, and they've backed him, they've stuck with him. Same with Warner. Warner. Um, and I think that's what England are, are trying to do now, if they pick the right team that we've selected, yeah. um, <laughs> and, and, and stick with it for a couple of years and see where it takes them. See where the, Ra- the Rainer Harmon 11 goes. <laughs> Absolutely. I think the one player, Steve Finn, could be that aggressive quick bowler who might go for 4, 5, 6 and over, but still take wickets. But it seems that for whatever reason, he's kind of been in and out of the side. And as you said... In the 2010-11 Ashes series, he was dropped despite being the leading wicket taker. Yeah, well, I time. mean, Ollie's probably better. To, well, certainly better to comment on this. But my my perception of Finn is he's fallen a little bit between two stools. I want him to go out there and bowl 90 miles an hour and not not be fussed about going for too many runs. That hasn't fitted into the England ethos. But in the side I've picked, there's Broad, Anderson, Onions never go for many runs. Finn can go out there and just just try and hit people. And I think if he was given the freedom to go and do that rather than being so constricted. Because he, he's talked, in an interview before, he's talked about Glenn McGrath being his idol and wanting to replicate that. I don't, I don't think that's the I kind of bowler... I don't know if that's coming from him either. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's what he's ever growing up, but I don't, I don't think that's the sort of bowler I don't, Finn I'd is agree at his best, you. anyway. I'd agree with you absolutely entirely. Um, this comes back to what I was saying about onions. You know, you've got these guys, you know, why, why not? If they're taking wickets or at least holding up men, you've got someone like Finney coming in and I think he has been confused. I think they've wanted him to try and swing it, for example. Sometimes he comes back to us and tries to swing it, and we're like, "Look, mate, wrap that off, hit him in the head." Um, which is what you're coming, which is what you're saying, and I agree totally. It was like I was so frustrated in the Ashes. Little did I know that he wasn't playing very well. You know, back here, why have they not got Finn or Rankin or someone who can counteract Johnson? Mm. Mm. At the moment, you've got Clark saying to our best bowler, "I'm going to break your arm." If I was about to bat against someone who could potentially hurt me, I would certainly would not be winding them up when they were batting. Um, and it just shows that they didn't feel there was a real threat there in terms of pace. Whereas if, you, if Finney was firing, which I didn't know he wasn't at the time, and I was getting quite round up about it, you know, I'm not sure there are many people that would have start, started winding up Australia, for example, knowing that Johnson's going to come on. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, talking about fast bowling, we're going to go back in time now. And... Uh, this chap certainly faced some quick bowling. In 1984, England's Graham Fowler scored 106 against the West Indies at Lords. Facing an attack consisting of Malcolm Marshall and Joel Garner, he managed to cement his name on the Lords Honours boards here. I caught up with Fowler in Durham recently, where he coaches the Durham MCC University side. I asked him what he remembered from the test, and he had quite a story to tell. Let's go back a test match, um, which the first one was at Edgebaston and we lost and I think I got eight and none or eight and one or one and none or something I, had a, I didn't have a good game and it was written in the press that Fowler wasn't good enough um, to play that, that level <laughs> and I did want to question it myself to be honest because I thought playing against the West Indies I'm not so sure I am good enough but anyway I got picked for the next match which was at Lloyd's so I, I sort of basically knew that, according to the press that this was my last chance okay that's the way it is the night before the test match, I can remember that I couldn't sleep. I just was pacing up and down. I just couldn't sleep. So at three in the morning, this is true, at three in the morning, I sent down, uh, I rang reception, and I got him to send up three pints of Guinness. Because <laughs> I, I worked on the fact, if I, I have three pints of Guinness, dead quick, at least I'll get some sleep. And I, I'd rather have, feel a bit fuzzy-headed in the morning than be up all night and not sleep. 
So I got three pints of Guinness, necked them, went to sleep, woke up, right as rain, went to the ground and we batted first and it was a, we had, there was a lot of rain, drizzle and mist and fog on it. it was, and so we were on and off all day, which was brilliant in the fact that I kept getting a rest, but it was dreadful in the fact that so did Aldin, Marshall and Garner. They kept having a rest. So every time we came back on, they were as fresh as daisies. And I think at the end of the day, I was 70 not out, something like that. Uh, and also, uh, before lunch on, on that day, Joel Garner hit me in the box and smashed it. So, so I, was, I was quite sore, as you can imagine. So I had that to put up with. Uh, and then the following day, I, I, can, I can only remember I can't remember much about it, but I remember that I got into the 90s. Um, I hooked Malcolm Marshall twice, which was ridiculous because I never hooked anywhere. So I remember that, two in two bowls. It was like, who's that? I don't do that. And then Roger Harper came on and I thought, this is it. <laughs> he, he's got to go. <laughs> so I slogged him and I got to 98, whatever it was. And I, hit him over, I hit him against the spin over long on one bounce four and the next ball cut it. And that's how I got to 100 and then I got out. <laughs> to Aldine Baptiste. <laughs> but it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was phenomenal really. Just, just, just to play against them. I mean, it, cause they were just a different level. Um, years later, I was talking to a journalist whilst we were watching a game at Lords, against England against West Indies and West Indies weren't very good. And he said, I bet you wish you'd played against this lot. And I hadn't said anything. And then he turned around and he looked at me and he said, no, I bet you're happy to have played against the best team ever. I said, yeah. Graham Foxy Fowler on scoring a ton against the West Indies at Lords. Quite a story, that wasn't it? It was. I'm not sure about the logic of having three pints of Guinness to get you to sleep. I know I'd spend the whole night in the toilet, but, but anyway, that seemed to work for him. Absolutely. Um, well, interviewing ex-professionals is often quite enlightening because they're not constrained by what they can say, so they will tell you exactly what they did. But. Um, does anything like that still go on, Ollie? Not no, too no, much away. No, very, very professional. Liter of water, salad before bed. Um, no, you have your, you have your times. You have your openings. You know, um, but generally, obviously, it's, it is a lot more professional even since I started. Which you know, I'm no veteran in the game. It was sort of twelve minute run on a treadmill, thousand meter row, paint the pavilion, have a good year, lads. Um, you know, so but coming to what it is now it's certainly more more of an athletic sport so you have to try and look after yourself although i'm not a brilliant example of that but and joe you've um interviewed quite a few ex players i mean what what's one of the most entertaining stories you've heard or who who, who do you enjoy talking to that kind of can retell great cricket stories uh two that stand out uh i had a hilarious interview with alan mulally uh last year which we do a thing in the magazine called definitive so you pick out 10 uh, moments that define your career basically yeah. uh and his i mean none of his were particularly serious <laughs> when we do this it's usually kind of the emotions involved in Torrent scoring a test century Malali's were like trying to find some trainers in sydney because he'd lost his bowling boots so it was not really the general gist of the article but it was it was all the better for it so i think he found himself some some Nike Air basketball boots to wear in an ODI. Couldn't find any bowling boots, which just seems scarcely believable. Uh, and he went and took, he got, he dismissed the top four Australian batsmen in, in that ODI, took both wars. Uh, I think Slater was up top there, I can't remember the number three. 
Uh, so he basically decided he loved these boots so much that he continued wearing them for like another two years. And even when the sole went, he had the, a new sole fitted on the same boots because he was so attached to them. Uh, and yeah, his, his whole, and then there was another one, it, I think it was a famous one where he said if he got to 30, Bumble was going to buy him 30 pints of Guinness. <laughs> so he got to 24 and he was waving to Bumble on the change room saying, I'm going to be needing my 30 pints of Guinness. Had a massive heave and got out and uh, never got to his 30. So here's a good one. And then another, uh, Farouk Engineer, the old uh, Indian keeper, has some great stories. He was one of the original Brill Cream boys back in the, what are we talking, Brill 60s? Cream, yeah. 50s, 60s, 50s, 60s. The Compton era. Yeah, and he, 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 led a, yeah. he led a good life, Farouk. Yeah. yeah. Bit of a good good time boy, I think, really. <laughs> and it's a different era. You could get away with so much more. I mean, Ollie's, Ollie's obviously got to be careful what he says here, but... <laughs> But I think the players, and also it's, I think it's also what the players are prepared to say to the press these days, and, and the press yeah. have got to take a fair amount of responsibility for that, because often an interesting line gets spun into a story that isn't perhaps fair on what, what was said originally. Yeah. So it ends up with players being perhaps a little bit suspicious on occasion. It can get hard work though, because we've got like press officers, media people, a lot <coughs> of the things you, you hear and you know about about certain scenarios, is this all pre sort of thought through and this is what you should say what you shouldn't say I think it takes it away slightly personally but yeah well, we had a good interesting interview with Swanee um, in a, a few issues ago and he was talking about media training and the fact that he was that bit older he was prepared to take a few more risks that young yeah. players aren't really able to do because then you develop a reputation as being like Swanee did up, as a bit though, of you line yourself <coughs> you just keep regurgitating what you're told to say then they, they will look for a spin yeah because it's not interesting no, uh, that's absolutely um, spot on you know and so if you're slightly if you've got half a brain and can figure out what's not going to land you in too much trouble but give them enough to yeah to work with then I think you're gonna go you know be a lot more interesting to listen to and probably get more opportunities to talk to people I think the press really just want players to be themselves and that's fair enough not everyone is a swanny kind of character you're not all going to deliver great one-liners in the press conference that's not what it's about but I think there are some players you hear about apparently jokers in the change room and they come and do a, a bit of an interview and they just kind of clam up and can't say anything. And I think that's that's what yeah. the press find particularly frustrating. I won't mention any names. No. I think Ed Smith wrote, I think it was Ed Smith, it's not, I apologise. He wrote quite an interesting article recently where he said sometimes it would actually be dangerous if a player said the truth because you know he said sometimes you'd be out on the pitch and you'd be bored or you'd be lonely or you wouldn't be thinking about anything. And you, you can't go and say that in a press conference. So... I guess it's a bit catch-22 because if you say, if you're too honest, then the press will have a go at you for being too honest and maybe you should be a bit more professional. But then if you're too media trained, then they say, well, you're not saying anything. So it's, it, I guess it's what you were saying, Ollie. It's about trying to find that, yeah, that nice think, balance between... The other thing is as well, you know, people aren't stupid. Yeah. You know, um, uh, you know, I've been thinking whether I should say this or not, but I'm going to anyway. Uh, you know, like the whole Matt Pryor scenario with the window at Lord's. Yeah, like this elaborate story it's like people would, would prefer it and probably forgive you a lot quicker if you just said I was annoyed yeah. I threw my bat I didn't mean to do it and it just pinged and hit the window you know yeah. hands up idiot you know but that's natural how would if you were a club cricketer you get out or something's happened you know you get upset it happens um, and people I think would be a lot more sort of forgiving and nurturing towards those if it wasn't sort of right all right, Matt, unlucky, mate. Uh, this is what you're going to say. We thought it bounced off five walls. You're really <laughs> unlucky, um, et cetera, et cetera. You know, yeah, people yeah. aren't stupid. Yeah. yeah. Anyone that's played club cricket, as you say, will know that bats do fly across changing rooms. 
somehow. Yeah, when we're human, and, it's frustrating, yeah. isn't it? And it means actually the fans can empathise with with players a bit more rather than thinking that, that was what I was looking for. Sorry, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the cricketers aren't robots, and I think perhaps a bit more often uh, players and and maybe the ECB should be prepared to to show you that. Yeah, again, I, I hope I haven't shot myself in the foot with that, but because I, I, I listen to it as well, you know, because I'm yeah. not an England player, you know, I, I, I'm kind of a, a viewer as well as a player, so, you know, I still want to hear what's happened. Absolutely. And before we go too far down the line, we'll, we'll keep your yeah, yeah. career intact. Right, well, there's <laughs> much of it to have, but just in case, yeah. Uh, we're we're going to finish off with the, with the Lord's Podcast Quiz, which is uh, it's new this year. I've called it the Bicentenary Podcast Quiz. I don't know why, it's not, it doesn't really have anything to do with the Bicentenary of Lord's Cricket Ground, um, except that it's to do with numbers and years. So, anyway, it's quite simple. It's You're playing against each other, right? so make sure you try and win. Yeah. Um, it's very easy. I give you a cricketer and another famous person, um, past or present, and you have to tell me which one is older. And if you get that right, then you get a point. Um, Sarah Taylor is a current champion of this. She beat Lizzie Ammon in last month's podcast. Uh, five one, so it's quite comprehensive. So mm. I'm just gonna make our little scores here. So Joe, you can go first as you're the journalist. Ollie, as the player, you can go second. Um, right, Andrew Flintoff or David Beckham, who is older? Um, David Beckham. Okay, and you can pick the same people if you want. I, I was gonna go David Beckham, but I, I'll go. I'll go Flintoff. Okay, Joe Harmon, you go one nil up. Sorry, uh, David Beckham, 38, Flintoff, 36. So there we go. Next one. Tough, tough paper round for it. Shane Warne or Kylie Minogue, who is older? Uh, oh, um, I'd hate to say Kylie. Yeah, uh, that'd be just a bit, bit depressing, wouldn't it? I'm going to go Shane Warne just for... Yeah, I'll, I'll, older. I'll go Kylie but I do like an older woman as well so <laughs> it kind of works out oh, and you told me not to go for Kylie and now you're going <laughs> well, look, we're told, this is a game mate okay. <laughs> been stitched up there you have been stitched up oh, well what? played Ollie Rayner <laughs> Kylie Minogue is 45 Shane Warne is 44 oh he's looking better for oh, it really right. <laughs> <laughs> no um, <laughs> talking about Brill Cream earlier we've got Dennis Compton right. or Hollywood legend Mickey Rooney who is older you can definitely go first. I have no idea. Uh, I'm going to go Dennis Compton. And I'll, I'll go the other fella. <laughs> we go for Mickey Rooney. Oh, Joe Harmon. Dennis Compton, born 1918. <coughs> Mickey Rooney, born 1920. So another point to Joe. Yeah. Easy on that one. Yeah, 2-1. Go for the one you've heard of. <laughs> Here we go. Right, um, the penultimate one. Middlesex <laughs> director of cricket, Angus oh, Fraser. Or Chelsea manager Jose Mourinho, <coughs> who is older? If it's not Fraser, it's got to be Gus, doesn't it? It's got to be. I'm going to go Gus Fraser. You're going Gus Fraser? Yeah. I just gonna, I've got to go Gus anyway, just because it would depress him either way. Okay, it's actually Jose Mourinho. Oh, really? <laughs> so that is a tough paper. <laughs> so yeah, Jose Mourinho. He's he's three years older than Gus. So there you go. Who would have thunk it? So it's 2-1 with one more to go. No conferring now on this one, chaps. No chance. Absolutely. Who is older? You've got to go first. Joe Harmon or Ollie Rayner? I should know this. I'm doing the who's who this year. Uh, Uh, I think I am. I think I'm older. Well, I'll I'll go for myself. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, Joe, you are older. There's not much in it. You're both born in the same year, but I think you're 29 now. Yeah. You're turning 29 in November. November, yeah. November the 1st, so yeah. Yeah, um, November the 1st, that was... Uh, <laughs> you can send things to my pigeonhole. <laughs> <laughs> so, Joe, um, you follow in Sarah Taylor's footsteps. Oh, well done. Thank you. It's a very proud moment. So, yeah. For well so done, so Cheers, Cheers. 3-1. Um, well, thanks very much for that. Um, just just to finish off, what have you got coming up for the next All Out Cricket issue? Um, the next issue is our big gear test that we did at Lords a couple of weeks ago, telling yeah. everyone what the best bats on the market are. Um, is it this? No, that's the gear guide, so that comes first. The gear test that so we had, Graham Gooch, we had Paul Nixon, uh, we had Chris Adams. So you get former pros testing all the bats, uh, and then we crunch the numbers and tell you the best bat on the market this year. Uh, I can't reveal that now. First of all, because I don't know, uh, okay. and also because uh, you have to wait for the magazine. Uh, and also, I've got a interview with Nick Compton, uh, who's desperate to get back in the England side. Yeah. That's why I put him in at number three. He convinced me that he was due another go, uh, which is a really interesting interview. Uh, he doesn't hold back, which is perhaps why he uh, he might have got dropped in the first place. But anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll see if he gets another chance this summer. That's a good one to look out for. Fantastic. And Ollie, what have you got coming up in the next few weeks? Oh, pretty busy, I imagine. Well, yeah. yeah. Like, well, th- thanks to seeing you today, I was going to turn up at Heathrow on Monday, and apparently now it's Tuesday. Uh, off to Dubai um, to play the Champions game, uh, and then, yeah, just back, um, and then ready to hit the hit the season hard. Fantastic. Well, thanks for both coming on the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Cheers, well. Yeah, it's good. Thank much. you. Thanks for having me. Lovely. Well, many thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back next month with more cricketing stories from Lords. So remember to follow us on Twitter. We're at Home of Cricket. That's our handle. Be our friend on Facebook. And for all the latest news from Lords, just go to lords.org. See you soon. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.